I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me is Matt. Hello and welcome to the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Matt and next to me is Courtney. Wow, you're a fool. You're an actual fool. <laughs> well, you married me. You oh, said yes. Oh, gosh. Anyway, we are very happy to be here again with you to share with you some frequently asked questions. Yes, yes. it is another frequently asked questions episode. Wait, wait, wait. Oh. It's, you mean, a random question and answer episode. That is true. So this is literally random. Well, the way that we do do our frequently asked question episodes, if you've listened to our last one that you would remember. Our only one. Yes. This is frequently asked questions episode number two. 2.0. Um, we put all of the questions that we receive frequently into a basket, uh, chopped up and um, printed out, chopped up, and we will pull one out one at a time and hopefully answer each question to your satisfaction. Yeah, or to our satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, we know, we've we seen the questions, but we have quite a few in the bucket, so we don't know what we're going to be pulling out. So it's entirely possible that this episode is going to be very unhelpful. Uh, so buckle up. Well, I haven't seen all ready, the questions. And get ready to waste the next 30 minutes of your life with us. You printed them, Matt. So you actually have seen all the questions. I haven't. Yeah, but there's a lot in there. I can't remember them all. <laughs> so in fact, I barely even know what day it is half the time. <laughs> That's so, true. You know what? Without further ado, let's just get well, into let's it. Let's get into this. You want me to draw or you want to draw? You can draw first. All right. So I'm such a nice person. He's, he's our special effects budget. I hope, the I hope the microphone can pick that up. If it can't, this is I sound like a dickhead more than usual. Anyway, uh, okay, let's get this. Question number one. How do I cook for a fussy family and still manage to make meals that are healthy that everyone will eat? Good question. Courtney, uh, go. Because <laughs> of all my family experience. Yes. Um... Matt and I don't have children. Uh, however, I... We have, been, we have been children at one stage of our lives. <laughs> however, out of the two of us, I am actually the fussy eater. So Matt is someone who can eat the same thing day in, day out without an issue. Don't judge. At all. Don't judge. Uh, I can't. I'm still a person, damn it. I go through phases with food. There's certain food that I like uh, for a certain amount of time and then I will decide that I'm over it and I don't want to eat it anymore and I don't like it anymore. I'm very much a texture-based uh, eater as well. So if it feels weird in my mouth, then I won't eat it. So like bananas, I hate because they... Ugh. And like orange juice, I can't drink orange juice because of... Ugh. Anyway, uh, you get the idea. So I'm a fussy eater. Matt is not... In terms of family, when you're talking about how do I satisfy everybody, 
you you really I think Matt correct me if I'm wrong but I I really think that you just have to get the the kids involved and you have to get the family involved. Well, that's what I recommend to parents. Yes, I think that once you start cutting things out, and this is why the other reason why, if we needed like another reason why diets don't work, this is just another reason why diets don't work because they are often will get you to cut multiple things out of your diet. So it does become very hard if you're a parent to have to then make different food for your children or your spouse as well as something different again for yourself. That's understandable. Yeah, Matt and I often say that if you wouldn't give what you're eating to your children, then why are you eating it? Could I, Courtney, just ask you, um, touching here on the fussy part, can you give some insight because you you said it yourself you're a fussy eater and trust me, I do know this. <laughs> Can you give some insight into what you've been doing to get around this yourself? I think it's trial and error. So I, I, I really think that with fussy eaters, you do have to try and you just really can't take the word that you don't like something. And I know even as a kid, I was a really fussy eater and I would often say, I don't like that, but I don't ever remember trying it. So I know that's really common for ch- for kids as well. So um, getting them just to try things, and it might be not necessarily bro- bro- say broccoli on its own, but incorporating it into other things. So there's other flavors there. So they're not just for a lot of people. The taste of broccoli is not pleasant, but once you cook it in other things and it takes on the flavor of other other foods, then it becomes. Better, much better. So what do you do, Courtney, to get past this? I just try things out. Such as? Such as trying out different... uh, If I go to the supermarket and there's a vegetable that I have never tried before, then I will get a small amount of it to try. And I will look up online different creative ways to cook it. Um, Slow cookers are really great for getting a lot of flavor into meats. And then what I'll often do is just add a lot of the vegetables right at the end, maybe just sort of 10 to 20 minutes before I'm serving it. That way the vegetables aren't going to turn to mush, but they're just going to have enough time to really infuse with all the flavor that is in the pot. Um, Also stir fries are really great for adding flavor to vegetables. Um, Just trying to think what else do I do? Uh, different bakes. Um, I roast a lot of stuff. So I used to be one that hated pumpkin. So um, adding spices and texture to different foods will change up as well. So making sure that all your foods have a bit of sweetness and sourness to them. So I'll roast pumpkin in the oven, but I'll add um, sort of just a drizzle of coconut oil and some Italian herbs and then I'll roast it um, really well and it tends to get that little crunchiness on the outside. Uh, So I really love that and then I mix it in with my other food as well. So also another tip I find when you're trying to incorporate vegetables um, because most of the time when you talk about fussy eaters with especially kids, it's vegetables that they won't tend to eat a lot of. So Um, When you're talking about getting kids to eat vegetables and getting even spouses to eat vegetables with you and things like that, don't necessarily always have it separate to the protein portion of the dish. Try to cook your food all together and incorporate all those flavors. So if you've just got a, a plate, which I think is really common for a lot of us, we'll just have a plate with just chicken, 
you know, potato, peas, corn, carrots, broccoli, cauliflower, and they all got their own little positions on the plate. So they're all really kept real separate. Um, if you tend to cook it all together in different ways and you incorporate it together and serve it together and serve it together. So it's the, the dish is eaten together. I tend to find then as well, it, it becomes different in the mind. You, you're tasting different things. You're not necessarily tasting the broccoli. You know it's there, but you're not necessarily tasting it. So it's about mixing all those things together. I've also found is a really helpful way um, of disguising a lot of the flavors that potentially your kids or your family don't like with other flavors that are already in the food. What sort of spices do you recommend? I really like Italian mixed herbs sort of spices. You can get obviously all of the dry spices uh, from the herb and spices section of the supermarket. So you can get Italian mixed herbs. You can get uh, like a rose, just rosemary and garlic herb mixes. You can get, um, you know, your five spices, things like that are really good. You can also get cold pressed spice mixes. So they are usually found near where you buy like the salad mixes and stuff like that in the refrigerated section. So you can get ones that are like Thai style. So they've got, you know, coriander and garlic and um, ginger and chili and those sort of flavors. And you can get Moroccan style ones and Mediterranean style ones. And um, I, I often use in a lot of my food and now Matt does as well. We'll use a lot of uh, chili paste as well. So... You don't, don't need much. We don't love our food hot. We just put in a oh, quarter of a teaspoon, Matt. At most. At it depends most. on how, if you're soft like me and can't handle very hot food, it's it's a quarter of a teaspoon, definitely at most. But you're just adding a different uh, flavor to the dish as and well. And you stir it through while you're cooking it. And it's disguising these vegetables is a good way to get past the fussy side of things. And as Courtney said as well, um, cooking and serving them all together, it just becomes a medley of taste and texture. Then when you layer onto it these these spices or chili paste or whatever, it, it becomes a different meal. Yeah. And it's helped, it's helped me personally because even though Courtney said before, I'm not a fussy eater, that wasn't always the case. Uh, I used to avoid vegetables like the plague. I mean, funny that. <laughs> funny, I used to not eat healthy food. Who would have guessed? <laughs> uh, but I would avoid vegetables like the plague. And then as I, you know, we all know the vegetables are good for us, duh. Um, but it's it's one thing from you know to know they're good for you, but to then turn around and go, well, I'm going to incorporate these into the bulk of what I eat, and I bloody hate them. So mm. what do you do? As Courtney has said, disguising it, it works for everyone. I think as well, just think about also the texture. So for myself, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm a big texture person. If if something tastes, if, if my vegetables taste too soggy or mushy, yeah. then they're really uh, like... They're gross. Yeah, gross Let's be honest, to me. they're gross, unless it's so, mashed potato. Yeah, a lot of the time, Matt and I will get fresh vegetables and we'll cut them up ourselves. A lot of people don't have potentially the time to always do that, which is understandable. So I know a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll get the frozen vegetables and they will uh, steam them or... Stir fry. Stir fry them. But some people even steam them. But then what they'll do is they'll put them on a tray in the oven 
for a short amount of time and just roast them slightly just so they're not quite as mushy um, or they'll put them in the pan and just give them sort of a once over in the pan so they don't feel mushy like they've just been steamed. They've got that little bit of crust on the outside. So just playing with texture like that as well, playing with different foods. I I've Just something really as simple as I hate, I really don't like um, zucchini. I don't love the taste of zucchini. Hmm. However, if I cut I didn't it, know that. if I cut it quite thin and I have it in a stir fry or something like that, some people have the zucchini spaghetti these days as well. If I have something like that and I've got a lot of flavor based around it, then I will eat it. So it's it's about finding as well the foods that potentially that you're not a fan of maybe cooked or prepared in in a certain way. If you just cook them or prepare them in a different way then you potentially might like the taste of them. Could also uh, recommend not being afraid to experiment with um, sweet and savoury. Yeah, it's really uh, important. I, I am someone that, and please don't judge, <laughs> I, do, I do quite enjoy mixing my protein sources. So a lot of my meals will have, for example, chicken and beef, or mm. beef and fish, or fish and chicken, or pork and beef, all mixed together. And especially in the summer months, I, I do like throwing the occasional uh, bit of sliced fruit into my my bowl of goodness. Yeah. So I'll have the vegetables, the um, the roasted Brussels sprouts that Courtney does with garlic. Hell yes. Mm. Uh, you know, the roast pumpkin, broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, all that good stuff. But to give it a bit of, a bit of zing, I might put in some sliced navel orange. I might put in some strawberries or both. Don't judge. It's a nice way to mix things up and just give your your taste some different sensations through the course of one meal. I love it personally. And also just remember the look of the food uh, plays a big role as well. So color. Color. color if, if your food looks really boring and bland and it's going to – your brain automatically associates that with it's got no flavor. Mm. Whereas if you've got a bowl of really bright, vibrant ingredients and there's a lot in there – then it tends to be a lot more appetizing. Yeah, there is a psychological effect there um, in terms of making it colorful and appealing. I mean, just look at look at Instagram photos of um, of plates and bowls of food. Mm. They're just exploding with color yeah. because it has a psychological effect. But also, you can also assume that the, the phrase that we have is called eating rainbows. Yeah. So the more color you get into your bowl or onto your plate, there's going to be more more nutrients and more vitamins and minerals that come with that as well. So more conducive to well, weight loss goals. And That's a win. Yeah. And I think finally, just remember that you don't need to be a master chef to do this. <laughs> I'm not. We are not master chefs <laughs> by any st- are, by any stretch of the we imagination. Are lazy chefs. Uh, I definitely am not. So. Just don't put too much pressure on yourself to present these masterpiece uh, dinners every night. Just have a play around with it and mix it up. All right, Courtney, you can draw. What's next? What do you got, bro? (laughs) How do you stay focused when life gets busy? How do I stay focused when life gets busy? Well, newsflash, life is busy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so how do I stay? Fo- well, I think we answer this separately, Courtney. Could I have that, please? Yes. Thank you very much. You want to take this first, or shall I? No, you've already got it. So you go. How do you stay focused when life gets busy? Well, one, as I said, life is always busy. 
So it just comes down to, for me personally, priorities and time management. So there are things in our life that are non-negotiables, things that will always be attended to. So those things are, for example, my wife, because she must always be attended to, such as the life of servitude that I lead as a poor married man. Um, so Courtney's high on the list of non-negotiables. My clients are on the list of non-negotiables. I'm always there to look after them and support them uh, as best as I can. My family are on that list. And guess who else is on that list of non-negotiables priorities? You. Me. So for me, it's just a case of I've got certain things I need to do to keep on top of what I'm trying to achieve in terms of hitting my exercise sessions, um, making the right choices in the kitchen, you know, shopping, blah, blah, like that boring stuff that I detest. To me, it's just like, well, I've got to do this. But also, I think as well, a lot of people find it hard and overwhelming when things get busy because they're trying to do too much. So if you walk into this thinking, well, I need to exercise 58 times a week, well, then when things get busy, you may have an issue. So what I tend to find is that building, building routines and building habits in terms of, say, you're at work, you're in your work routine, so you've got to be at work at a certain time, home at a certain time, etc. Building your routine around that so you can incorporate the exercise you need to do. You can incorporate the food you need to eat and practice the routine. Mm. I tend to find that gets uh, that does make things easier. But also, I mean, this is going to be a bit of a, I suppose, the cliched answer for us, but stiff shit, our podcast, I can say it again. <laughs> Why are you doing this? I find it easier to stay focused as well when you have a goal you're working towards that is really, really meaningful. Courtney, go. Well, I don't really have anything else to, to say. Okay, cool. That's a that's, wrap. Thanks for listening to the Weight Loss Podcast. Well, that's really what I would have said as well. It's it's Done. Next question. A lot of the time, it's easier said than done. I get that. But it really does come down to prioritizing and sometimes you just can't do everything. As much as you want, you just can't do everything, there's, um, and something has to give. There's a saying that I use with the trainers that I work with that I think really applies here. Uh, with everything in life, if you say yes to something, you must say no to something else, mm. and vice versa. So we've all got you know a finite amount of time each day, each week, each month, etc. There has to come a time when you just need to go, you know what, I've got to say no to certain things, in order to say yes to these things that are really important to me. Yeah. So I'm not a parent, but I do know from the many parents that I know that they were busy before they had kids, very busy. Then you add kids to it and guess what happens? The kids get attended to because they're a priority. So they're saying no to other things in order to be able to say yes to being a parent. Mm. Uh, that's a, yep. We good for that one? Yep. Next one? Yeah. All right. I will draw and I will read. Ba, 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 ba. Just background music for you. Oh, this is a goodie. All right. How do I get results when I can't get rid of the stressful situation in my life? Mm. Can't get rid of the stressful situation in my life. That, to me, then means it's out of their control. Courtney, would you like to go? 
well, it's hard to know. It's hard to give a full answer when you don't know what the stressful situation is. So as you said, Matt, we can only assume that it's something that is permanent well, and notice, you can't can do I anything about. Say notice use of the word can't, not won't. So can't get rid of the stressful situation would then mean it is here and I have to deal with it. Yes. So let's assume that it will take it literally to the stressful situation in this person's life that is not going to go away. Yeah. How do you get results around that? It's about managing those stress levels. So focusing less on the problem that you can't get rid of and focusing more about managing techniques of working with it. So I think sometimes when you focus too much on this is a problem, oh my God, this is a problem, this is holding me back, I can't do anything about it, it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and you focus more and more time on it than how to manage it. So starting, I think, to look at managing uh, methods that you can put into place to help those stress levels is going to be a really big shift in the right direction. And then beyond, once you get your stress levels under control and you're getting some management methods really sort of uh, laid out and implemented for yourself, then you can sort of take the next step and say, okay, what's the next step from me here to achieve what I want to achieve? And then it's just about like what we've always said uh, in our when we're talking about setting goals for yourself, it's about setting a, a big goal that you really want, not need, but want more than anything. And then it's about putting progress and procedural goals in place to help you get there. So it's about, okay, what's the next logical step here? Don't overwhelm yourself by thinking too far ahead, by thinking about everything all at once. You're never going to achieve everything all at once. You have to break it back down and you've really got to set those step-by-step goals in place to help you get there. All right, um, I'll give my two cents on this one. So when you can't get rid of the stressful situation, Well, one thing I like to tell people is that you control the controllables. You worry about the things that are in your hands to change. So if we're looking at a situation that causes stress that cannot be removed, okay, we have to work around this, don't we? All right, cool. So the things I look at here are, well, one, what do you do to counterbalance this stressful situation? By that, I mean, what do you do that helps to calm you and relax you do you have a hobby in your spare time that you do that you pursue to keep you you know leveled out um do you just put aside quality time for yourself me time shall we say Mm. where you get some time to yourself to just do something else that relaxes you so anyone that knows me will know what my me time is it's playing video games and watching sport on tv i love it i get that 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 for me, counterbalances the stress I do have in my life. We all have stress in our life. Um, I would also personally say to have a look at the response that you have to these stressful situations. So talking about uh, habits. Mm. So if we know that you can't get rid of a stressful situation, that means it's going to keep coming up in your life. So you can't take away the fact that it's going to happen. What you can control is your response to it. So if there's a stressful situation that, for example, causes 
emotional eating, binge eating, etc. We know we can't remove the trigger for this, for the response. So we need to deal with the routine. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So you might then start to look at, okay, what routines can I develop? So when these situations come up, I've got something in place that will help me come down from them as quickly as possible. That's such a good point. Thank you very much. That's why I get paid. Mm. Well, no, you don't pay me at all, actually, Courtney. No. Um, that's why I'm here. Uh, so you might, for example, have the me time that I mentioned before, where let's say, let's say this stressful situation is work-based. Now, we can't just say, oh, well, quit your job, mate, easy as, because, well, you know, here on earth, that's a bit difficult. So let's say it's work-based. You might have something that you do when you get home from work that you know de-stresses you. It could be exercise. It could be a hobby. Whatever it is, I don't think it matters what it is as long as there are mental health benefits that come along for it and it's not setting you back in terms of your weight loss goals. So I can't sit here and say, oh, just get home from your, your stressful day at work and smash into the cake, you'll be fine because you're then you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul. So I recommend looking at what you can do uh, when these situations occur to bring yourself back down into a relaxed state and to lower those stress levels ASAP. Yeah? Yes. Cool? Mm-hmm. All right, Courtney, next one. All right. What's the best eating plan? Matt? Courtney, give me an eating plan. Go. No. Why? The thing with eating plans and the reason why Matt and I don't have a favorite because we don't have them is because eating plans are very, very individual. So yes, there's a lot of trainers out there. There's a lot of programs out there that will give you eating plans to follow. And yes, if you follow them, you will lose weight. That is the way they're designed. However, what happens if you don't like the food that's on the eating plan? Or what happens if you're a vegetarian and my eating plan has protein in every meal? Meat-based protein. Meat-based protein. Yes, thank you. These become problems very quickly. The problem is if you're allergic to something, if you don't like something, if you've got a fuss, if you're a fussy eater, all these things become problems if you're following someone else's idea of what food they like to eat. Because that's really all food, food meal plans are. They're really developed by trainers or by nutritionists around what they like to eat. So the flavors of foods that they like to eat. So that is why Matt and I don't give out eating plans. We don't recommend eating plans. The best thing that you can do is you can educate yourself on nutrition so you can find out why it's best to eat these sort of foods at certain times because that's the other thing that eating plans don't give you. They don't give you the why behind the food. So they'll tell you what to eat and when to eat it and how much to eat, but they never tell you why you're doing that. So why are you eating that many times a day or why are you eating that much in that meal? Why are you eating those carbohydrates after your workout? Why are you having... Those naughty carbohydrates. All this sort of stuff. Why are you having this much protein and not that much protein? So it's, it's a, they give you no answers to those questions. So the thing is, you either got to stay on that meal plan for the rest of your life. Good luck. Or you're going to do it for a set time frame because that's generally what these meal plans come with. They come with set 
short time frames. Yes, you'll get some results, but then the problem is where to go from there. Well, what's so the result? You're either going to go back to what you used to eat, in which case you're going to put all the weight back on again, or you're just going to sort of limbo through to then the next eating plan, not knowing why you're doing it, but just because it's there and it's something else to follow. Courtney, can I ask you a question? Yes. Wouldn't it be really nice if there was an online transformation program that taught you what to eat <laughs> yes. and taught you how to create your own meal plan based on what you like and you can sustain? Wouldn't it be good if something like that actually existed? Yeah, it would. Do you know anyone that has anything like this? Oh, we have one. Oh my God. This really seems set up now. Whoa. I legitimately picked that out of the basket. No. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll quickly answer this question. Uh, we don't do meal plans because the technical term is they don't fucking work. Um, one of my favorite sayings is, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he eats for a lifetime. So meal plans don't teach a person a goddamn thing. The problem is that, sorry Matt, I'll let you keep ranting. I'll just say that the problem is with this is meal plans become the go-to thing because Nutrition education, as Matt said, teaching a man to fish, he'll eat for the rest of his life. Nutrition education isn't sexy enough to make it into the covers of Cosmo or New Idea. It's not exciting and it's not going to make it into the pages of the magazines. It doesn't sell. It doesn't sell because no one thinks to themselves, oh, yes, I'm going to teach myself about this so I know for the rest of my life it's going to take me a while. Or learn from someone. And I'm going to learn and I'm going to do it. That is always the last resort because everybody, it's human nature, we want it to happen quickly, we want it to happen easily. So we think, yes, we'll just download this 28-day challenge, it gives me what to eat, I'm just going to eat that and I'm going to get results and it's going to be fine. And then go back to normal. It's the short-term mindset and it's human nature. We've all been there. And that is what is sexy. That's what sells books. That's what sells magazines. And it's that it's that short-term mindset. But go on, Matt. Sorry. I'm sorry, Courtney, for speaking while you're interrupting me. That's my mistake. <laughs> you uh, should know better. Yeah, I should. <laughs> I should know better by now. Uh, so as I was saying, uh, the meal plan. Fish. Yeah. Sorry. I'll just wait to get permission from my wife to speak and I'll just sit here quietly until I've got that. I was just trying to tell you what you're up to. You're about the fish. Go. Okay, cool. So I've got permission to speak. (laughs) Moving away from the microphone now. Okay. Meal plans don't teach anyone a thing. The issue that people have, and this is what I hear a lot from people is, they'll say, well, my problem isn't the exercise. My problem is my food. Well, actually, your problem isn't your food. Your problem is your habits. It's the habits that cause you to make the choices that you make. An eating plan, a meal plan, doesn't actually teach you about your habits and how to reprogram them and replace them with positive habits that will, that you can sustain through the rest of your life. That is one of the key secrets slash ingredients to how Courtney and I have done what we've done for as long as we've done it is we've been working on changing what we do habitually on a day-to-day basis. We haven't gone, hey, mate, give me an eating plan that I'll follow for 30 days and I'll get in great shape and then go back to what I used to do and get fat again. So the best eating plan is the one that you form, that that makes you feel good, makes you perform good, makes your body change 
and you can sustain. Next question. Moving back to the microphone. She's back. Okay. Bum, 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 bum. Is there a specific heart rate I should achieve while doing cardio? No. So I'll just go straight into this one, Courtney. Go. Okay. So the thing is, we all we all have a maximum heart rate. It's uh it's your age minus forty four. Yeah. Thereabouts. Mm. Um, in terms of a specific heart rate you should achieve while doing cardio, simple as this. If you are doing intense cardio, don't worry about your heart rate. Worry about the intensity you're putting out. So everyone's going to have a different maximum heart rate they can achieve during a cardio session. Mine will be different to Courtney's. Uh, I'm a male. I'm 40 kilos heavier than Courtney. And I'm just a little bit older. A couple mm. of years. 11. Fuck you. Okay. <laughs> I want a divorce. <laughs> Fuck this podcast. Fuck you. Oh. Okay, yes. I'm, I'm 11 years older than Courtney uh, and a lot larger in a male. So our heart rates will be at a different level. Don't focus on heart rate during your cardio session. Focus on your intensity level. Hmm. So Courtney and I go by what's called the IR level, the intensity rating. On a scale of 1 to 10, how hard are you pushing yourself? If you're doing your 30 minute, and you are doing 30 minutes, aren't you, of intense cardio, then during that 30 minutes, you should be having peak periods where you're reaching a 10 out of 10 intensity rating through the session, otherwise known as interval training. In fact, I think we spoke about this in our cardio podcast, Courtney. Yes. Uh, so the very short, quick answer to this is there is not a specific heart rate you should achieve while doing cardio. Just push your personal limits as much as you can during the half an hour. You'll know, you'll know, you'll feel it. Yeah? Yes. Has that been helpful or shit ass? No. I mean, I, I, I think that the between 1 and 10 scale is so much easier to go by. Way easier. Because... Sure. Then otherwise you've got to always remember to wear some sort of heart rate monitor or one of those watches too hard, mate. Too hard. that gives you a heart rate and it's just it's just and then you've always got to remember what it's supposed to be around. And you know and what else sort of as well, thing. honestly? Do you really want to think? No. As often as when possible. You're trying not I, to don't, die. I don't want to think. No. So, Courtney, next one. Okay. Thinking overrated. <laughs> What's the easiest way to count calories? <laughs> Don't. Yeah. Question answered. I'll take that, please. <laughs> easiest way to count calories is don't. Okay, Courtney, how many clothes sizes have you dropped? Four to five. How much weight have you lost? Oh, around 25 kilos. How much weight have I lost? 80, around 80 kilos. How many clothes sizes have I dropped? Uh, the answer is between six, the answer between six and seven. Yes. So Courtney and I have lost around about 105 kilos between us, and if my maths are correct, around 11 to 12 clothes sizes between us. Courtney, how I many have times? Never, I've never counted calories because I don't know how to. That was going to be your question. How many times do you count calories? And I can tell you, I don't know how to, so I never have. How many times have I counted calories since we met? Never. How many times do you think I've counted calories before we met? Never. Ding, ding, ding. I, we I, have a winner. I think people, 
people seriously think t- when they when they hear me say I never have known how to count calories, so I never have. People say, oh, well, how do you not know how to count calories? It's really easy. I actually don't think that it is very easy. So it is a difficult thing and it's difficult to keep up with. I was speaking to someone only the other day about it, about how, yes, it works because they themselves had had history with counting calories and it working for them. But even this person said to me, but it doesn't work long term because no one counts the calories forever. Then how do you, how can you say it works if it doesn't work long term? I think the definition of work is loose in this regard. Well, I guess it, it worked well, te- while she was doing temporarily it. Temporarily worked. But the problem is then it doesn't it doesn't work forever because you are never going again. You don't want to think all the time. You don't want to be thinking about what your heart rate is when you're friggin' working out and trying not to collapse. You're, you, you don't want to be thinking every time you sit down to eat about how many friggin' calories are in the meal you're about to eat. Hey, can I ask a question? Yes. Let's say you have an overweight person who has struggled with their weight for about 25 plus years. Uh, all they've known is being overweight and or obese and unhealthy and unhappy. This person has a binge eating problem. On the weekend, they like to smash alcohol and copious amounts of fast food, cake, pizza, etc. What would solve their problems faster? Addressing those issues or counting the calories they're having per day? Addressing those issues. Calories aren't the issue. The same way the scales aren't the issue. Your habits are the issue. Courtney, final question, please. Or is it my turn? I think it's your turn. I just had that one. Matt, final question, please. Ooh, this might extend the podcast by about three hours. Oh, no. What was holding you guys back? Wow. That's a big question. That is uh, six words and a question mark. (laughs) That is a Pandora's box. Uh, Maybe we should have found this one first, but no, because it's random, it is what it is. I think what was holding me back... Probably a, a, a desire to really put the effort into changing. I always knew that I think you get to a stage, well, I, I did for me. I shouldn't generalize this because not everyone feels the same way. But for me, it got to a stage where I knew that I was so big that it was it was going to take a lot of work to pull it back. I knew deep down it wasn't going to be just a quick thing. As much as... You, I tried to deny that to myself. I knew that it was going to take a long time and I knew that it was going to be a lot of struggle, a lot of pain in the gym, a lot of sacrifice. And I think deep down, I just wasn't prepared to go through it. Really? And I would convince myself on, and it was a day-to-day thing. I would look in the mirror and convince myself. I would stare at myself in the mirror and tell myself, nah, you're not that bad. You're not that big yet. It's all right. And I would just go on living the way I did. And I would convince myself again the next day. No, you don't look that bad. It's fine. It's just this mirror making me look fat. It's the mirror's fault. It's the mirror's fault. It's the camera's fault. I'm not tanned, so you always look bigger when you're not tanned. (laughs) That hasn't changed. It's just those things would always convince me that I was fine the way I was. And then I would have 
the next minute I'm having feelings that I, you know, I hate the way I look and, and I want to change, but then that would always override. And I think it always came back down to the fact that I just was not willing to go through the pain and the sacrifice to change. That's deep, man. That's deep. It's the quickest way I can sum it up without going for three hours. Okay. Uh, what was holding me back? Well, from a technical, from a trainer's perspective, my habits. So my habits were holding me back because my habits were hiding from the mirror, hiding from the camera, smashing junk food every day and not exercising. That's That was normal to me. Mm. Um, from a personal perspective, what was holding me back was... Even though I knew I was unhappy, very unhappy, I hadn't reached the stage where I was ready to take action long-term and address it long-term. Not until I had my snap moment that I've spoken about previously in the past. So everything up until then, I suppose, looking back in hindsight was, I guess you could say I was trying, Mm. but as a famous little green creature once said, do or do not, there is no try. Quote, Yoda. <laughs> Yoda was 100% correct. The so, real Yoda. Yoda. What's that? Not the fake Yoda in the last movie. The real Yoda said that. Let us not discuss Star Wars Episode <laughs> Eight. This will become a four-hour podcast of me swearing. <laughs> anyway, as Yoda once said, do or do not, there is no try. I think I was trying for some time, but not actually putting in the effort and wasn't ready to put the effort in. I think that was what was holding me back. Um, Once I had my snap moment and I was committed mentally and emotionally to like, okay, I'm going to turn this around no matter how long it takes. What was holding me back being myself and the things I was telling myself all went away. Mm. Uh, And that is that. Yeah. Do we want to have one more as a bonus or wrap it up? Your choice. How are we going for time? Well, let's do one more. All right, Courtney. Who cares? (laughs) People can, you can turn it off now if you don't want to hear the bonus question. Absolute last question. And here it is. What did you guys think of Star Wars Episode (laughs) 8? I fucking hated it. Anyway, fly, Princess Leia, fly. Courtney is choosing. Last one. Last one. Can I eat carbs every meal? And can I run often and still achieve great results? Well... Isn't that a fantastic question? There you go. Uh, Would you like to start or shall I? You can start on that one. Okay. Can I eat carbs every meal and can I run often and still achieve great results? Well, the first question is, what's the result you want? So if the result is to be a better runner, hell yeah, you can. Run as often as you can because you've got to build the miles up in your legs. Um, and eat the carbs every meal because you're refueling for that running and you don't care about your, your body shape because you, your results are on to be a better runner. However, <laughs> Courtney, is this the runner's podcast? No. What's the name of this show again? This is the weight loss podcast. What do we talk about here? Weight loss. Really? So I'm assuming the person that has written that question is not training to be a marathon runner. Okay. I think this becomes a question of... Can I play off food for exercise? No. Okay, that's the short version. Yeah. The uh, the longer answer is fuck no. Okay, sorry. Can I eat carbs every meal and run often and still achieve great results? If the great results are weight loss, well, no. No. No, you're going to slow the process down because you're giving your body energy it doesn't need. And keep in mind, as Courtney and I have said before... Um, 
when you train, your training should be congruent with your goal. So if you're doing lots and lots of running and your goal isn't to be a good runner, mm, that's not quite in line with the, with the target we're aiming for, yeah? I think you also then run the risk of over-exercising. If you're running that often because you're trying to play off the food that you're eating to get the results you think you want, then there is a potential you're going to over-exercise. Now, can I just say as well, I'm not going to sit here and say, no, you can't run because I run. I run. Um, I move myself quite a lot doing a lot of uh, a lot of hill work, but it's not the primary focus of mine or Courtney's training. The primary focus of our training is what? Wifey? Weight training. <laughs> you sound like you're guessing. No, sorry. I just... Sorry, Courtney fell asleep. Um, so I'll wrap the show up. <laughs> You're all over it, love. You are all over it today. Destroying it. So the primary focus or the primary training method that, that Courtney and I do and all our clients as well is weight training. And we then supplement that with the aerobic type movements we do around it. So um, I did a, a hill sprint session today. In fact, so did Courtney. Um, but that's also done around our weights. Um, in terms of eating carbs with every meal to achieve great weight loss results, no. If you want to really speed the process up, um, keep the carbs around when you're doing your intense training and watch what happens. Mm. Um, and that is that. Yes. That's a wrap. Uh, random weight loss Q&A 2.0 edition. <laughs> yes. Electric Boogaloo Redux. Superior sequel. Done. 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 Hope those questions might have helped you. Sometimes it's great to... We love, Matt and I love doing these episodes because... They're fun. Often, they're fun for us. And they're random. Because we don't know what we're going to get. Plus, it's great because there might be something in here. One of these questions just might be something that you've been thinking about in the back of your mind. And it by it coming up now, it just answers that for you and clear might just clear something up for you. Or you think we're a pack of dickheads because we just told you that meal plans don't work and we won't give you a meal plan. Oops. <laughs> Friendship killers. Yeah. Uh, or, or that. So otherwise, Yolo, who cares? I hope those answers to those questions helped you. Now, Courtney, uh, if, uh, if this person wants to email us a question of their own, where can we be emailed at? Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. What's that? One more time. Podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Emphasis on the. The weight not, loss podcast. Not podcast at aweightlosspodcast.com. <laughs> no, at the weight loss podcast. You can also find us on Facebook. Whoa, whoa. Facebook. I know. It's amazing. This, this thing called Facebook. Yes, you can. What are we known as on Facebook? The Weight Loss Podcast. Not a weight loss podcast? No. Stop. Okay. We've had enough now. We're going off the deep end. We're going to say goodbye. That's a wrap. Hope this has helped and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.